Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle Krieger. Welcome. Uh, I'm joined uh, this morning again by my co-host, Wilkie Law. Will, what's going on this morning? What's going on? What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. So we're we're doing some morning. We've been done some afternoon, uh, some evening recording. We're just trying to space it out now that it's summer, but we're really excited uh, for our guest today, Rebecca Ozuna. Rebecca, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking uh, taking some time this morning, and we were just talking a second ago about your your busy travel schedule this summer, so we were glad we could find time with you before you had to hit the road again. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. 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 So, awesome. so, Rebecca, we'll start off with just kind of getting into uh, like, what's the, the reasoning and the premise behind our podcast. Um, Kyle came up with the idea of doing a podcast in order to kind of extend the conversation he and I have been having for the past five years about just what teachers are doing, what they're experiencing in the classroom, and kind of share those authentic voices with people, not so that people can copy what you're doing, so that people can kind of learn from what other teachers are doing, you know, in other classrooms all over the country, so that they can kind of glean from the information that they're being offered and kind of pick and choose what's going to work best for them. So... We think it's really important for us to kind of reach out to teachers who are doing things in the classroom, educators, stakeholders who are, you know, champions for education and kind of get their take on the classroom experience for students and for the state of education as a whole. Okay. That's, that's the reason that we're doing um, the LED podcast and to bring value to our teaching practice. Right. So... So with that being said, we'll go ahead and jump right in. So why don't you share with our listeners the story of how and why you became a teacher? Okay, so I, my mom was a teacher for 30 plus years in the district that I teach in now. So my whole life, I grew up with my mom's a teacher. We're going to her school. We're going to help her out over the summer. We're going to you know do different things with her throughout the year. She taught in high school and football games and it was constantly stuff around revolved around school and even like growing up we had my mom called it like our learning center which was like a little area with like books and puzzles and you know writing materials so she encouraged us to write and draw and just kind of everything kind of stemmed from home you know we would get homework and we would come home and you know do it with her at home and we would like go to the learning center make sure we had our homework done so I I knew I was going to be a teacher from a very young age like from when I was in kindergarten and my mom jokes with people that you know I have a younger brother so like when I learned to read in kindergarten I like went home and taught my brother how to read like I I pulled up our little chalkboard and showed him letters showed him the letters of his name and found them out and so she always jokes, like, I knew you were going to be a teacher from when you were a little girl. Like, you were kind of made for this. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. I love that idea of a learning center. I'm going to – I wrote that on the notes of one hour learning center per day. So I'm going to put that implement that for my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we typically do the bedtime read, make sure you read right before you go to bed. But I think one hour – and give them a choice. We'll do whatever you want to do and kind of give her that option of doing, you know, exploring other things, whether it's reading, doing mathematics, coloring, you know, drawing, whatever, during that one four hour. Just a focused concentration on learning. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that. And you also said something. I'm a a, a preacher's kid. 
<laughs> you know, you know, the, the joke is that among preacher kids that you, you know, they have the TK. So I guess something will be said for TKs, but I know my daughter does the same thing with me. You know, she's always exposed to education. School's never out for her because we're either at the school, in the classroom, moving classrooms, or doing something related to it. And I think that's right. interesting. Oh, yeah, we're like born and bred in it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, who was your favorite teacher and why? Well, I always like to say, you know, and you just kind of hit it on the head, but parents are our first teachers. Like, those have uh-huh. constantly been my favorite because they've constantly supported and encouraged me in everything I do. Um, but when I think of, you know, school and my favorite school teacher, um, I always think of my third grade teacher, Mrs. Bielfeld. And she really, I mean, you're kind of like, you're eight, nine years old at that time. I went to private school until middle school, and so I had just switched over um, to this private school. Um, and she was just constant, like she would just sit and listen to me. And, you know, I've always been a big talker. Like when you say you can talk a lot, like I've always been like that person. I think kid in class, I could talk and tell a million stories. And she would just like sit and listen with me and she would just hear me out all the time. And she would try and tie it into like the lessons that we did and activities we did or try and use my input in things. And that just really encouraged me at that time. I remember constantly like you know I was ready to go to school and share something with her and she would do like a show and tell and I always wanted to do a tell like I never really brought stuff in but I would go and like you know tell a million stories or (laughs) different things and I actually I recently connected with her through Facebook I saw her niece on there who went to school with us and she got me connected with her and we kind of had a chat we're trying to get some time this summer to actually meet up but she um yeah she really kind of changed the way I think about teaching crazy how the world works that you can that you can reconnect with a teacher all these years later via facebook yeah it's crazy crazy that's awesome yeah social media right yeah so um what is the value of a great teacher i think that you know i that's one of the questions on here that i was kind of like going back to it's it's really like I feel like they're they're just a gem right like they're just like this pinnacle of you know of love and support and you know we we talk about educators today and we're so bogged down with like so many of the checklists and the tasks and the you know the new curriculum and change over your assessment and you know here's the list of kids and class periods and new schedules and block schedules that we forget that, you know, our, our purpose is to kind of walk through this life to encourage others, support others, love others. And we get to do that in our classrooms, like daily. That's just amazing. That's, you know, the value of a great teacher is kind of, you know, you see the impact in society and our communities and our, our strong schools. And we try to look at, you know, what what's the difference between this school and the way that they're doing things versus this school and the way they're doing things, you know, whether good or bad, it's going to speak to a system that they have in place. And I, I think when you have those great teachers, it, it's a powerful impact. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the words that just stood out, that you just said, were like a gem, pressure, uh, to encourage the, uh, the impact on society. And I think that goes right along with our value and mission here at uh, LED. And we often say that we're the 1%. You know, teachers make up the 1% of the population of the, of the, of the uh, country. 
Right. Right. And Absolutely. so that is a huge responsibility. And I think that the more teachers buy into the idea that if you don't like society, fix your classroom. And it'll fix this stuff. Right. Fix how you're doing it and what you're putting out into the world because that that we we really get to see that return as educators and I'm glad you hit on that. The teachers are gems, the precious gems, priceless and what they do. Absolutely. It goes along with the whole notion that if you want to revolutionize the world, you go home and love your family. Right. You, you put in there everything that you want out in the world. And, and hey, when I have those thousands of checklists and I've got kids coming in that have trauma and I have kids coming in, you know, different ability levels, it's frustrating and it's tiring. But, I mean, what, you know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Well, it's because I, I want to change and revolutionize the world by putting love and, you know, pouring into these kids. Now, they might not always make it easier for me, but guess what? I'm going to be here tomorrow, too. I'm going to be here to love you through this, even though it's not easy. <laughs> if it was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> right. 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 But uh, I tell people all the time, I say, who else gets to go to, gets to, go to work every day? Have fun with a group of kids. Be yourself. Be goofy. Be silly. And really kind of never grow up. And somebody <laughs> changes you to do it. mindset you know there's it's such a different world that that you operate in if you operate from a from a deficit versus operating from an asset I mean it's it's night and day I really like that um that description of it that's good that's awesome Instagram community, but it was a picture and it just said, 
it was simple, like smile, nod, and then do what's best for kids. And that's kind of like my whole mantra tied up into one. You know, like as I'm being bogged down with things all around me and we're changing this and we're changing that and, um, you know, just, okay, smile, nod, and then do what's best for kids. So again, what supports need to be in place to help support my kids? Um, We constantly look at, through some of the national training stuff I do, the goal of teaching isn't student compliance. You know, it's not about compliance. It's about student achievement. So am I, am I doing everything that I can to teach to those levels that the, the kids have and, you know, to teach to the different ability levels that my students have so that they're successful and that, you know, they're, um, uh, you know, they have achievement and not necessarily that they listen to me every time and that they do exactly as I say, but, you know, that's kind of not what we want out there. Wow. And I think when you look at it from that mindset, it's kind of separate. You, you, it, it brings into that uh, the notion that in order to have achievements, you got to have failures. Right. Compliance says, I don't want you to fail, so I want you to follow each and every step that I give you. But yeah. Jason says, I'm going to present something to you. I want you to try it and discover it on your own because once you, once you obtain it, then no one can take that from you. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just thinking of adults and I mean, how do we learn by making mistakes and doing better the next time? And we're going right. to still provide those opportunities to our kids. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so kind of shifting to the, to the work that you do, uh, especially we really wanted to talk with you about, you know, the importance of social and emotional learning. So just, um, could you talk about, what the what you think the link is between you know social and emotional learning and development and academic development? Okay, I I feel really strongly about this, <laughs> so I'll I'll try and keep it short and sweet. But uh, pretty much to me, you know, we can't have one without the other. Like kids don't learn from people they don't like. Period. It, it's just not gonna happen. And so when we, you know, we're you know feeding into children and, and telling them that we trust them and telling them we're gonna love them through things, um, talking about how are you feeling and and what did you do this weekend and bringing that into our classroom and activities and and again giving them that time to you know, feel everything and feel things and to talk about, you know, you can't do that right now or, you know, you're hurting people, but here's a different way to do it or a new approach. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I, I feel like they have to go one and the same and your classroom culture is, is huge. And, um, you know, am I going to be somebody that she listens to or am I going to be somebody that she tells to, you know, stay quiet or, you know, you need to wait your turn. But am I doing this for every student in my class, you know, building connections and relationships with them? So, yes. So to kind of come back to what you were saying a little bit earlier about getting bogged down, because and and speaking from my own personal experience, um, you know, I, I grew up in Wisconsin and then my first teaching job full time was in Houston in an urban school district. So, you know, it was a new world to me, but I really felt like I struggled I've always been good at the social and emotional learning, that connection, but I really got bogged down with all the things I felt like I had to do as a teacher. You know, you were talking about the checklist and all that stuff. So, so how does a teacher, you know, and, and especially teachers who are newer in the profession, um, how do you, how do you find 
that balance when it seems to be such a academically focused system that we're in? You know, that's, that's the hard one because, you know, I, I do trainings like even in the last month I've done trainings in other states and people have told me, you know, like, oh, I've been teaching 15 years, 20 years, 22 years. And we present material and we, we talk about this whole idea of bridging the social and emotional aspect with the academics. And they're like, I, I never heard of that. And you're like, you've been in the classroom for decades and you've never heard that we need to incorporate, you know, um, a, a student's uh, uh, culture into activities and in your classroom and let them know it's okay to be who they are. But um, again, I'm going to take the asset approach to that. I'm going to say that, you know, while we've had this huge focus on academics, okay, now let's teach some skills. There, there's probably a deficit involved in that. Um, you know, can they raise their hand to access a teacher in a classroom? Do they know how to go up to a peer and have a conversation? Um, do they know how to have a, a disagreement with somebody? Um, we talk a lot about, you know, our kids aren't sheltered from a lot at home. They come to school and they um, they have all that, you know, they see the violence, they see the arguments, the fights, the gangs, the drugs, the guns, and then they come into our, our classrooms. And, you know, a school is kind of like a microcosm of society. And so am I going to let them know that it's okay to, you know, go through those things and to question things and... Um, but you know, at, at school, we're going to have to do it a different way. And this is how we're going to ask a question and Hey, if we have a disagreement, why don't you share your side? I'll let you know what I'm thinking and we'll come to an agreement. And it's okay if we don't see eye to eye, you know, it's okay to have those conversations with kids that you're not, not always going to agree with everything somebody says, but we're going to be respectful and listen, you know, listen to them. Right. Right. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned classroom culture a, a minute ago, you know, you know, with that, how much, how much of social and emotional um, learning do, do kids get from watching our behavior as a teacher? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and just think about children in your life so you like your own children your own nieces and nephews your own and you see them have conversations and you're like oh my god that's me that's like me having an argument that's like <laughs> they, they just they're like totally absorbing and having conversations and i mean it's it's crazy so yeah let's model that good conflict resolution and let me be an appropriate model to them of how to you know display empathy and let me be the appropriate model because i'm the adult in the room and so I'm going to need to, you know, as much as it's, you know, bothering me or upsetting or it's just annoying or whatever, like I'm going to still need to be that role model in the classroom to let everybody in class know that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take their emotions and I'm going to accept them, meet them where they are and, you know, possibly save face for a few instances, but they're going to know that, you know, we're going to come through this on the other side. Right. Right. And, and you know, either with your pre-K or, or in what you train, how, how important is it that we, um, you know, are vulnerable with our kids and we, and we really let them see who, who we are and let them get to know us? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's just, 
number one for building relationships with kids is that we let them know, you know, I struggle with things too. You know, there's a time where I was mad too. There's times where I get upset or I cry or I, I need to journal my feelings or I need to do yoga or I need to stop and take a break in the day. And just like you said, be vulnerable, be exposed with them and just be completely upfront with them about, you know, feelings and about things that are happening in our lives not to the level of giving every last detail, but talking about, you know, a time that I was sad too. And, you know, sometimes when kids act out, you know, behavior wise and, you know, they're screaming or kicking or throwing things and we, I'll, I'll speak to that and I'll tell the kids, you know, there's been times where I've been mad, but you know, it, it kind of scared me when you did that. It, it scared me because I wasn't sure if you were going to hurt yourself. It scared me because I wasn't sure if you were going to hurt one of the kids in class. And I know that wasn't your objective. So let's think of a better way for you to, you know, de-escalate and kind of calm down. And, and I want you to have a conversation with me. If, if you're not ready, that's fine. But I'm going to be here for you. And if you don't want to have a conversation today, you want to journal something today, or you want to have a conversation tomorrow, I'm going to be here. But again, having those conversations with kids and kind of letting them in on the big picture of things, you know, even as adults, sometimes we need like the big picture, like this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it, this is who's involved, but we don't always do that with our kids. You know, we're kind of like driven by, you know, benchmarks and, you know, simple things throughout the day and it's just like, well, we're going to do it because I just said we're going to do it instead of like, well, we're going to go here because this is an assembly that we're all going to get together and we want you guys to, you know, meet this person or learn this new skill. So letting them in on that kind of bigger picture is important too. Mm. So, so when you are in the, the pre-K setting in that pre-K classroom, how, I mean, is, is the importance of social emotional learning higher in that setting? And and the reason I ask is just because you know those those young kids are at such a like you said a malleable age. Um, is it important to really teach that to them at that early age? Oh, absolutely. And again, as we're you know teaching little people to be adults and humans in our society, um, that's like probably the biggest component that we need to hit on. You know, you are going to, you know, get sad at times. You are going to get mad at times, but you're going to have to work through situations and there's still going to be a task at hand and I want to see you be successful and, um, you know, kind of learning to, and I don't want to say control because it's, it's kind of a strong word, but, you know, let's try to, you know, shape that behavior. Let's try to make it something positive to where you can still be in class and be involved and, you know, do activities with us if you need to sit next to you or something. But you're still able to, you know, understand and learn. And I just think that, I mean, we, again, we, we send kids to kindergarten that don't know how to raise their hand and ask a question, but we don't take the time to stop and say, look, this is how we're going to do it. This is how you can ask me a question. This is how you can access me for information. This is how, you know, you might have to wait a turn or you might have to wait a little bit, but let's talk through it and let's figure out a way that works for everybody involved. It's just such... I mean, and we get kids so raw, you know, like they, and again, they aren't sheltered for much. They see that screaming and yelling gives you something or, um, it's all these learned behaviors and are we giving them the time and opportunities to work through situations and to still be included even when they are upset and mad. Absolutely. And that's something, you know, even as adults, we have to be careful of because we model it to them. Even when we don't think they're looking, oh, yeah. you know, 
always. I remember. <laughs> right, you know, I, you know, my my pastor, my church used to always say, uh, "More is caught than taught." Oh yeah. So you have to realize that they're catching up. They they're picking up every single vibe that you are giving off. So you may as well go ahead and address that vibe with them and say, "Okay, you know what? Right now, I am a little angry." And I know I teach you all that when you're angry that you have to work through your feelings. So I'm going to use this as a learning experience for all of us. You know, or, you know, step making sure you separate the child from the behavior. So the oh, child exactly. doesn't feel like that they are their behavior. No, I can separate the two. I love you as a human being, as a soul in my classroom. I don't like the behavior that you're displaying because it doesn't fit with what we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. So how can we bridge that gap and make these two alive so that we can all get along and do what we're supposed to do? And I heard a trainer say the other day in a PD I was in, she said that we have to realize that kids may not understand a whole lot, but one thing that they do understand is the difference between fair and unfair. Uh-huh. <laughs> they think that up very early, and I'm sure you see that in that pre-K setting. That's not fair. Uh-huh. My little niece, she, she's going to pre-K next year. And uh, that's her favorite thing right now to say. That's not fair. I'm like, what's not fair? I want it. But why is it not fair? I want it. They can't explain it. She can't explain <laughs> it why she wants it. But she just knows it's not fair for me to be doing something that she wants to do and she can't do it. Right. You know, so we're trying to teach her, use your word. What would you like? And now she's starting to go through that. But, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's key, especially if that's early because that's the foundation everything that's the stage for everything oh yeah yeah so so in that in that social and emotional um learning piece what then is the importance of of bringing love and and true joy to the classroom you know i i put an emphasis on that in my classroom and with everybody who comes into my classroom um and the way i set it up for adults is i i tell them you know i have very high expectations for anybody who works with my kids whether it's paraprofessional staff or you know specialists that come in or therapists or whoever's coming to work with my kids it's kind of like you know have your a game on (laughs) um and and from that make sure that we're loving kids through all situations make sure that you know they're happy to come to school and they know we're going to be here for them and um if i if i want you know opportunities for myself and i want love for myself and grace for myself why wouldn't i want it for my kids and why wouldn't i want it for you and why wouldn't i want it for everybody in this whole entire school so you know, I, I put such an emphasis on it because it's kind of like I want that for myself, and I kind of expect that from people, right? Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm prepared, I, I've got a plan going on, and um, so let's give that same kind of grace and love to kids through our classrooms. you did is not acceptable in the classroom 
and right. we need to figure out how we can do it. And once they determine, okay, next time I'll do this, I'll say, okay, accept this grace, but don't accept the grace and then turn around and do the same thing. Right. Absolutely. Because when I get when I extend the grace to you, you need to understand that, okay, I should have gotten written up, but I didn't. So that part of your mind should make you, you know, okay, I can tolerate whatever comes to come because I know I got grace the last time. Oh, yeah. So, Oh, I love that. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, could you talk, Rebecca, about the work you're doing with the Aspen Institute? I uh, I love the Aspen Institute. It's the National uh, Commission for Social, Emotional, and Academic Development, Academic Learning. And so, I'm I kind of joined very recently. They've been doing it since like fall of 2016 I replaced actually a good friend and colleague of mine um, that she does a national training with me and she kind of gave me a heads up that it's something that she can't really commit to and um, so in like December or January time I got this email like hey I, I put you up for this um, you know this kind of national commission thing and I was like okay whatever like I'll do it if I can and let me look into it and I was like blown away by the work they've done and so you know we um we have a huge emphasis on social emotional tied with academic learning. It's run by Tim Schreiber, who um, also runs Special Olympics. So of course, it's like my bread and butter, right? Um, <laughs> they put out this whole consensus um, for practitioners, and it's called, you know, the practice space for how we learn. And it really looks at the research of how we learn and why it's important to have relationships in the classroom and why it's important to, you know, do the things that we do day in, day out in the classroom. And um, they really wanted this good information in the hands of practitioners, people who are going to take it to the classrooms and build, you know, relationships with kids and give family engagement and change the community. And so um, they they have a, a big thing right now, you know, we need our schools to be safe with a strong sense of community. Well, how do we, how do we do that? And like, how do we get that out there? And it's, it just has everything to do with, you know, how we learn brain development. It's kind of taking like, um, what we know about human behavior and putting it into classrooms. And so they not only, and I, you know, I'm pre-K special ed, but there's people that are high school teachers there. They have educators, you know, at all levels and they even have people from, like, Linda Darlingham and from uh, Stanford and, you know, people from Yale and people that are in colleges. And they, they kind of talk about how even in, with adults, like, people get hired on merit and then they get fired on social skills. You know, like, they don't know how to work in teams. They don't know how to do group projects together. They don't know how to listen to people. They don't know how to just kind of stop and pull themselves back from, you know, the work. And so they kind of talk about like we want this in our schools because we need people to have social skills we need them to be able to regulate their emotions when they're adults instead of us have high turnover too you know for like employers and jobs and are, are there people we could you know connect them with that they would need like a mentor of some sorts or you know what how much can they handle and so it not only affects like my pre-k classroom but it affects every level of education and then it affects you know adulthood Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna have to, and I'm I've been familiar with the Espen Institute for a while, but I'm gonna have to dig in a little bit more, especially on 
um, what you're doing. That I think that that work is fantastic. I think it's super important. And like you said, the the fact that you're trying to get it into teachers' hands is the most important part. Absolutely, I agree with that. Absolutely, I'm gonna have to look into it because I'm going back into the classroom for the first time in three years. Uh, this next school year, so I will definitely be looking into it. You know, I, you know, I'm not a, quite a bulldog yet, but I guess. You know, go ahead, Kyle. You got, you got a joke? Nope, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you know, I am. I am a seasoned uh, teacher who left the classroom to become an instructional coach. So my classroom changed from students to teachers. Right. And you know, doing trainings and professional development. Um, and now going back into the classroom to start applying these things with students again, I definitely know that there are some things that I know I need to brush up on. And that's, that's my bread and butter is building relationships, period. Right. I would rather teach kids how to be how to build and maintain and leverage other relationships and teach them how to do a math problem. <laughs> I think that is the most transferable skill um, ever. So I would definitely be looking more into I've been looking at the website, just kind of proving it, going through it. It's a lot to digest. Mm-hmm. And, um, just kind of looking at it and probably be hitting you up saying, hey, look, you have me inside on this. <laughs> Firm with them, 
when I need to be, but I'm going to love them for things. And just, I mean, just that alone, you know, like we are love, we're made to, we're made to love, but so let's bring that in everything that we do so we can, you know, like I said, touch that 99%. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in that saying, like, what, what advice would you give to a teacher who is struggling? Um, you know, I, like I just told you, and you're not a struggling teacher by any means, but, you know, call me, reach out to people, like, have, have something in place so that you know that you're not alone. Like, we go through this stuff, too. Like, it's not exclusive to you because you're doing things bad or wrong. It's because we're, you know, managing little adults, and we... We're trying to work through things, and we are trying to, you know, the, I think the biggest misconception from the outside looking in is that teachers can actively manage everybody's behavior and emotions while also, you know, teaching to certain levels and abilities and giving hands-on materials for this child and doing things, you know, with visual supports for this child and something that's, you know, auditory over here for this child. That's how that's their learning style and how they learn best, but, you know, it it's... Like we're we're in this with you, and you're not alone. <laughs> because I think a lot of times, um, and like you said, you went to PD. When I give PD, I let people know like I'm I'm in the classroom. I, like yesterday, I was helping you know kids with check your schedule and do potty training and you know like deescalate emotions. I'm like right there with you, and like I want to stand by your side as you go through this. All right. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. Um, so, and this again also can be, um, either personal or professional. What's your proudest accomplishment to date? You know, I, I think my proudest accomplishment would be, um, so professional wise, I've gotten different awards and like teacher of the year and, you know, a, a spot at the table for this national commission with Aspen Institute and, and I, I, I guess the proudest one would be that, um, you know, people see greatness in me and people, people can see that, you know, I'm going to be firm and bold and what I believe is right for kids, but you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, constantly be there for, for you and for families in my classroom and for the children. Um, and just that you would see that in me, that I would, you know, be the person to speak up. I think that's like, a, a huge accomplishment <laughs> right. that I'm like right. firm and bold in what I say, but you know, I'm also going to love you through situations and be here to listen to you and hear you out. But I, I and that's like, you know, part of my yoga mantra prayer daily, like let others just see love in me, let them see greatness in me, let them know that, you know, I'm, I'm here to kind of help change the world. Awesome. All right, so before we ask you the final question, uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way that they can do that? So you can, or people can find me. I always give people like my Instagram at is at Miss Ozuna, M-I-S-S-O-Z-U-N-A. And people connect with me and send me messages and stuff on there. Or you could just find me on Facebook. I'm also, and it's just a personal Facebook page, but I'm, I'm on it pretty often. And it's Rebecca Ozuna. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we sure do appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule this morning to uh, have a conversation with us. So our, uh, our final question for you is, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? You know, I t- 
touched on it already, but I, I want others to see that, you know, I always did what I could to help support, you know, children. I did everything that I could to have a push for special education, to have a push for early childhood education, and to advocate for those kids. Um, I, I just hope that they could say, like, in, in any situation, and I did what was best for kids. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Whether it be a not. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> That, that's the perfect way to end it. So, again, Rebecca, thank you so much for, for your time and for coming on the podcast with us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.